Hey, my name's Sophie. I've been in here for two years. And I'm currently serving a sentence with my little sister. Well, as a mother, I don't feel proud of it. I don't feel good about it. But what's done's done. What's happened's happened. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View, the first podcast from Darwin Correctional Centre. This episode is all about bloodlines. Just before we get started, we're going to give you a few warnings. Quick heads up that this episode contains material that may be confronting, especially for survivors of trauma. Aboriginal and Torres Strait people are advised following stories, making tame of names and voices. Our people are passed away. If bad language offends you, turn down the volume. Attention. In the following come up for visits. <laughs> Going to the visit room. Visit with my family and my kids. Yeah, I'm excited. I love it when I go visit them, but I hate it when I say goodbye. Because the visits are only for an hour. Mm. And there's three of them, you know, so I've got to Give them all my attention. Hey, what's going on here? Are they coming back from sport? And then you go through movement control. You have to badge in again. Um, movement control consists of three gates and then once you get out to the other side there's then like three paths so one pass to medical one pass to reception one pass to visits we'll go to visits first yeah, i think so yeah. i think so yeah. you badged on you three you badged i badged you badged did you badge i badged you badged i badged <laughs> Usually on the way into visits, it's pretty it's pretty relaxed. Like you can just grab your jumpsuit, you can get changed in front, like you don't have to cough and squat, you can get changed in front of all the other girls if you don't really care, you know what I mean? And then um, once you've got your jumpsuit on, you've got to wait for everyone else to get their jumpsuits on. I'm not squatting and coughing, am I? I'm just getting changed? No, I'm just getting changed. Yeah, okay. I am getting changed into my overalls. Yeah, jail overall, so they go from your feet all the way up. It's a full piece suit and they cover all your legs and all your arms. And you've got a zip at the back. Then you go through another door, down a hall, and then there's another glass door. And then you got to wait for the visit um, guards to buzz you in. Once you get buzzed in, there's all these tables, like they're um, made of metal, the little metal seats. There's about 10 cameras in that little visiting room. And there's about four seats to a table. And then the fifth seat has a pee on it. So the prisoner's meant to sit on the pee. But when you have kids come, you obviously can't keep a kid still. So you can run around and play with them. And there's like little toys and trucks and, you know, foam stuff. My name's Tegan and I'm 24. I got five years on the top and I got three to serve before I'm eligible for parole. 
I've got tattoos. I've got one that says live the life you love, love the life you live. So it's an eight and it's affinity, so it goes around and around. I've got one with a love heart and wings with my kid's name under it. I've got my brother and his date of birth and when he passed away. And it's got two birds, one's him and one's me, flying for freedom. But my me, the little one, is kind of going down. He's going up. Yeah. yeah. And then I've got, my mum doesn't know this one, I've got a devil tattoo under my arm, near my boob, a female devil. Oh, my God, my mum used to make me go to church every day. I went six days a week, every day, every morning before school. Out of all the kids, I was the only one that had to go because she was trying to teach me in the right path because I was naughty. When they said that I was coming to prison, at the watch house I got to speak to my mum and my mum was in prison before me. So she said I'd be okay, go up to these people and tell them that you're my daughter, that I'm her daughter and everything will be okay. So at first I was a little bit scared, but I was all right. When I got here, I was okay. I had a couple of enemies in here too. I wasn't scared of them. I was, I don't know, I was coming down off the drugs when I first came in, so my emotions were everywhere. The very first time I had a pipe, I had two puffs and I was so high. I was doing donuts in the car, I was in such a good mood. I felt like I was God. And then when I come down, I was so fucked. I didn't like the feeling. So then I didn't touch it. Then, yeah. I guess when my brother passed, not straight away, but after months went on, I wasn't coping. My partner was on the pipe, my mum, everyone. And then I thought, oh, well, I might as well join in with them. When I was using drugs, I was trying to hide my emotions. So I really got badly into the gear not long after my brother passed away. A lot of people take it because they're going through some form of pain of losing someone or, you know, family stuff or being picked on or... So I can't really talk for other people, but mine was definitely to stop pain. I don't really show feelings. I'm not really an emotional person. I kind of just keep everything inside. I've always been like that. I used to be very angry, but I'd take away a lot of my anger. People I tend to think, you know, fighting with your fist and showing who's the tougher one is better. And I used to be like that, so I used to want to fight to show people, you know, I'm stronger, but no, it's not the way to go. Walking away is actually the better person. Okay, I'm going to sit down waiting for my visit. Yeah, and we've got to sit here on the pier for prisoner. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the table's a bit taller than the seats, so you can't hide anything, like slip something, something, yeah. There's my daughter. 
Do you miss me? Mm -hmm. oh, Mummy went to sports today. Did Where? you? What did you do? I, what went, did you I do? went and played football. What football? Yeah, I went and played football. Why can't you play rugby? What have you been doing all day? Nothing. Me and Mum been working what? out. Yes. We, I went to welfare when I was a kid. It was only me and my sister that were together. And we went back to my mum and then she was really holy and went to church. Then when I was about 10 or 11, then she started selling um, marijuana. Then when I was 13, I dropped out of school. And then I started selling marijuana because I'd watch her, you know. And then I thought, oh, well, I don't have to go to school or get a, get a job. I can just do what my mum does and sell drugs, have all these friends, live a good life. So I wanted a drug-dealing boyfriend. That's what the life I wanted. I wanted to be like my mum. If my kids done that, oh, my goodness, people would want to get out of my way because I would probably chain them to their bed. They would not be selling drugs or dropping out of school. Do you love me? Yes. Miss Mummy? Yes. Mummy's going to call you. When will you be back? I don't know, baby. Soon. Ish. These Nanny. are the only pants I had. Nanny's going to... Yeah, I like... I don't mind you wearing shorts like this, but it's the skirts I don't like. Yeah, I won't wear the skirts, Dan. Because they're too short when you bend over. <laughs> <gasps> Don't hit him, that's naughty. I hate my sister. Uh, that's, what's wrong with you? You can't speak like that. Yeah. No. That's a very big boy. Can I have one of them hair ties? You have to speak Can you let go, please? Thank you. I'm trying your little... Yeah. We're going to do Michelle Bridges. Me and Mum exercise really hard. Tell me my legs. It's about... But you look pretty. Yeah. Are you going to school? I'm a tiger. Are you a tiger? Uh -huh. You go to school? Yes. My oldest is a girl. She's eight. I had her when I was 15. And then my boy is six. I had him when I was 17. My girl is free and I had her when I was 21. Can I tie your, can I do your hair pretty? Are you six? No, you're free. You can't be six, your brother's six. No, no I'm 12. Did you ever know I was 28? I'm not even 28. Well, guess what I am. How old am I? 21. No. You're 23. No. 24? Yes, 24. Can I have a kiss? Do you miss mommy? Can mommy come home? Don't you bite your nails? I bite my nails. Oh, what's that? Oh. I was a really good mum, I was. My partner, I was with him for like 11 years, 10 years. He was a good father, but then he hit the drugs and then he was very violent. I wish I could go back in time and I wouldn't have chose him as a man, but then again I would have because I got three beautiful kids. So we were in our own house at 15. Oh, we had everything. People were surprised that I was so young. But yeah, I think the mother instincts kicked in on me really quickly. What, what's your favourite thing about mummy? What do you like about her? Is she funny? Is she kind? Funny. Funny? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, mommy's my brain. Sometimes we're dead. A tiny bit crumpy. Like one percent crumpy, but I never get a hundred percent crumpy. Uh, they were with my mum, but now my mum's in here with me.
So they're with uh, my brother. My brother's really good. There's six of us in my, bro- my brothers and sisters. Three of us were drug dealers and three of us weren't. My brother who passed away, he owned his own business too, but he chose the drug life and he lost everything. I really do miss him. My little brother, he's 15 and he's been a little bit naughty lately, I think. So I try to tell him, you know, I made so many mistakes and it's left me with a long jail sentence. You know, dropping out of school, that's another regret. If I was to be released right now, I'd go straight to my babies. I miss my kids, really. I really, really miss them. I miss being free, can do whatever I want, take them wherever I want. So I guess in jail, the only thing you own is your name. But I really miss my freedom and my babies. I think if I didn't have kids, jail would be a lot easier because I wouldn't have any worries. But because i got kids, I worry about them all the time. And yeah, I talk to them every day and I see them once a week. Um, I miss my mum all my heart. She's cheekish when she's asleep. You think she's an angel, but when she's awake, don't you have to think again. Mommy, mom, mom, miss me and hug me. I had all the friends in the world. Whatever I wanted, them people was there for me. But they weren't there for me, they were there for the drug. I was like, God, I'll tell them all, clean my car, clean my house. Can you go and get a whole wardrobe full of clothes for my kids? I want this, I want that, I want jewellery. I get all this stuff. And it's really addictive, you know. My kids didn't see any deals or anything going on. They didn't see. But it wasn't a normal life for them. I'd take them out and I'd do things with them. We had the best car, we had the best furniture. They had all the toys. Whatever they wanted, they got. But they didn't have my time. And you can never take, you can't bring back time. You have all the friends you want. They weren't never my friends. They were only loyal to the drug. Now I'm in jail, not one person's ever come and visit me. No one's slipped a letter in for me, nothing. That's okay, because I don't want them kind of people. So this one girl that was in prison with me, we done three months together. She puts money in my account, she writes to me. She sends photos of my kids. She's been more loyal to me than what people I've known half my life. It's really hard to stop. You know, one more, one more, I just do one more. 10 grand, 20 grand. Oh, I'll just make 30 grand, oh, 40 grand. Oh, let's just get to 50 and then we're gonna stop. And you make it so quick and it's so easy. It's so hard to stop. I think selling drugs is more addicted than smoking drugs. Because I would rather money, and I'm not a greedy person, I'd share with anyone or help anyone out, but I'd rather money than I would by putting a rock in the pipe. I, it's all in your mind, you don't need ice, you know, you don't need it. So I don't need it, so I'm not going to touch it. 
attention sector four. Maybe some people just look at me like a criminal. I don't want them to see me as a criminal. I'd like them to see me as the kind person I am. Because I'm a very kind person, very sharing. I'm funny. I joke around. I'll do anything to help someone out. I am a criminal. I have done bad things in my life. But they shouldn't judge me on the mistakes I've made. Everyone makes mistakes. I'm paying for what I've done wrong. She's kind. She cares about everyone. She cares about others and when other people are hurt, she cares about them and brings them wherever they need to go. Like if they broke their leg, she brings them to the hospital or like stuff like that. When we need things, she gets them, but when she, we're done with our needs, she gets what we want. The prison officers, they have all the power. They can tell us where to eat, when to eat, where to go. We're getting locked down, don't do this tuck your shirt in, tie your hair up, come back here, pick up the rubbish, sweep this. Do They can control us. They've got all the power. Some of them are good, but other ones take, you know, their uniform goes to their head and they treat us like we're lowlifes. And I tell them, you know, the courts have already punished us. We don't need to be punished from you. Attention, attention. When she's in here, I feel very unlucky. And if she gets out, that's the time of my life, even if it's for an hour. Well, my kids don't have any power. They just do what they're told, and I feel really bad because, you know, I gave them to my mum when I come to jail, and then my mum comes to jail. So they must feel like they're just getting, like, pushed to whoever. And I explained to them that I'm really sorry. And my older daughter... I'm about to cry. My older daughter's really all right with it, but I don't think my two youngest, you know, they're not, they keep asking me why I'm in here, why can't I come home? So I think they've got no power. And it's really sad, because I've really, really let, out of letting everyone down, I've really let my children down. And I haven't been with them for two years. You know, all the stuff that they've had, all the money I've had, it's never going to bring back the time I've missed. And you can't put a price on that. I'm not going to cry. Can I say something? Can you tell me how much you love me? Bye, bye. I love you so much, Mummy. Are you going to come visit me next week? Bye, bye. Oh, yes. Are you going to come visit bye. me next week? You do everything for us. Aww. I love you. Thank you, baby. Good job, baby. I love I don't want to be remembered as something bad. I would want to be good. Well, when I get out, I'm moving out of Darwin because I know too many people up here. And it's really easy, as much as I sit here and go, my children, me, you know, it's so easy to fall back into old habits. So this is a prison life, do you like it? I love prison, I keep coming back because I love it so much. <laughs> no, I don't like it. When I get out, I want to get a job, a good job. I want to pay, I want to own my own house. I don't want my kids 
just because I've sold drugs. And if, if I'm teaching them, well, then my kids are going to do it and then You're their kids are the going to do it. I am the one that what is you going. Do is break the cycle. I am breaking the cycle. Yes, I am. For my kids and for me. Do you love bye, me? Bye, bye. I love you so much, Mum. I love you. For the last few months, Tegan's been serving out a sentence at a Darwin-based rehab centre where she's been able to spend more time with her children and family. Attention sector four. So I remember everyone was walking down the path and the mother plover was just sweeping them. You know, every time they walked past that drain, we didn't realise, but one of the baby plovers was stuck down the drain. This cute little fluffy thing. So all the mothers in the prison were like, oh my God, we've got to save it, you know? Like... Went to the office, we're getting cobwebbers, broom handles, gloves, everything. Like, a cobweb is just this white plastic pole and it's like an extension. Yeah, with a little fluffy bit on the end for getting cobwebs off the roof, obviously. But yeah, <laughs> and we just ended up breaking it, cobwebbers and everything, they were getting stuck down the drain, trying to lift this baby plover out. And we finally did, got a glove on the end of a broomstick and lifted this plover up and everyone was just like cheering and everything. We were there for hours, probably like four or five hours. And the officers were just like, oh, I'll leave it. But no, nah, wouldn't give up. <laughs> it's funny when we look back down the drain, there was, they're like, you better not have left any rubbish down there. And when we look back in the drain, there was just like two broom handles, half a cobweber, like gloves, bits of vine that we'd ripped off. <laughs> it didn't matter. We got the baby out. <laughs> Hey, my name's Sophie. I've been in here for two years. And I'm currently serving a sentence with my little sister, Jessie. When I first came in to Sector 4, it was scary. I didn't get to see my sister until around 8 o'clock at night. But they placed me in the same cell as her. Before Jessie came in, I already knew she was on her way here from court. And I've already organised for her to be put in a cell with me and our cousin. It had been about a year and a bit since I had seen her. Well, the first moment I saw her, the big sister protective situation came on. I was crying and she hugged me. She said it'll be all right. I felt her pain and I felt upset for her, but I was happy. I felt a little bit more comfortable when I was with her. If I hadn't have had my sister, it would have been crazy, really crazy. I probably would have ended up at risk, to be honest, because, yeah, I didn't really know anyone down here. I was afraid of everything. Um, Sophie helped me by just getting through it. She introduced me to everyone around here. My favourite thing about having Jess in here is that she's funny, she's straight up, and she's very similar to me. The best thing about having a sister in prison is that we know each other and... Um, and she could, she could go off with all the girls, swear them and everything, pull them up, and they know they can't do nothing because I'm right there by her. <laughs> we can smash on if we want to and not get in trouble for it. 
because we're sisters. <laughs> Just like on the outside, <laughs> the hardest thing about having a big sister is that I have to buy her stuff from the vending machine, always chocolate. I know when she's suffering, she goes all quiet or she goes to sleep early or she goes and sits at the back listening to music. I hear when she's sad, I tell the girls, can you go cheer her up? And they'll be like, go give her a hug. And I'll be like, nah, you right. We've only had, what, one or two arguments. She wants to get rid of me already. She wants me to move out of her room, probably because I snoop through everything. If we was on the outside together right now, we'd be fighting a lot. We'd be frenemies, <laughs> mainly enemies. <laughs> but because we're in here and we're stuck together, we have to get along. I'm not getting in that much trouble anymore since she's been here because I've been watching her and I'm not the youngest anymore in here and it's made me like it made us reconnect but it's sad we have to reconnect this way and it just reminded me that I've got to be a big sister. Um, when I get out of here I'm going to be really happy but at the same time I'm going to be really sad. I'm going to miss all the girls in here. Yeah. I'm going to miss my sister too the most though. When Jessie goes, it's going to be boring. And then I'm going to feel like I need to just go intimidate people just for the fun of it. But I'll come back and I'll visit her if she doesn't get parole. I'll visit her in the visiting area section. I'm never coming back here ever again. <laughs> August 2019. Today my life changed forever. I never knew I could be so in love with one human being until I laid eyes on my beautiful Nirvana J. From this day forward, <laughs> sorry. That's okay, just have a good cry. Yeah. I didn't think I'd get this emotional. <laughs> From this day forward, my life revolves around making sure she is always safe. Actually, I don't think I can do it. If you, if you have a cry through it. <laughs> I might sound like ridiculous. <laughs> Making sure she always feels safe and that she never questions my devotion to her. For the rest of my life, I will do everything in my power to make sure she knows that there is absolutely nothing that could ever make me stop loving her. And if need be, I will go to war for her time and time again. <laughs> That's her in the background. <laughs> She will never have to fight her battles alone because she has all of me for all eternity. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon? Mm-hmm. Hey, what do you reckon? Mm-hmm. August 17, 2019, meeting Papa Bear. Because I call my dad Papa Bear, so I think she can call him Papa Bear. Today, my father got to meet his granddaughter. And in this moment, I realised that the parent I want to be is a parent this man was for me my entire life. <laughs> Once my mother passed away, he could have palmed me off to, <laughs> to another family member 
and continued on with his life. But what he did was swap his freedom with attending his little girl's every need. I have never doubted his love for me and I hope Nirvana always feels the same way about me. My whole life, he played the role of a father, a mother, a best friend. He is my hero and I don't deserve him or his love and support. But sure enough, once I'd hit rock bottom, he was right there to pick me up. And if my daughter loves me even half the amount of what I love my father, I will proudly say I became the parent I want to be. Eighteenth of August, two thousand and nineteen, baby pictures. Yesterday was bittersweet. My dad was so happy to finally meet his granddaughter. Finally, being the key word, it shouldn't have had to be a whole week before he got the chance to meet her. And also, she's never going to be able to witness the first time she met her granddad. Without being able to capture this moment on camera, she will never be able to share this moment with us. To her, it is a lost memory. And how many times is this going to happen? How long until I can have a picture with my daughter? Will I miss? <laughs> will I miss the chance? To, oh, it's okay. It's all right. Will I miss the chance to capture her first steps? What do I tell her when all the other kids at school are showing off their baby pictures and she has none? I want nothing more for her to be proud of me, but how can she be when she finds out the start to life I have given her? In prison, you've got to buy most things. Not much is free, but tampons and pads are. I've been in for nearly five months now, and that's, you know... 10, 20 bucks a month. So that's two, four, six, eight, ten, like a hundred bucks I've saved on tampons alone. You know, that's it's pretty good. Although you can't choose your size, it's almost impossible to get the small size tampons. It took me about seven months to be able to get the right size tampons for some of us women that, um, need them. Some people suffer from endometriosis and others just need small tampons. It's pretty hard having your period in prison. You know, medium security, you get locked out of your room, you know, so you can't go and have a shower when you want. Like, you feel disgusting all day. It's, yeah, it's, the showers, you don't, you get like four-minute showers and they cut out and you just, you still feel gross after having a shower. I once was made to go to a visit with blood all over me because the officers wouldn't let me into my cell to change before I went over to my visit. It was the most humiliating thing I've ever been through. Just having a period in general is gross, but, you know, you go into the toilet some days and there's blood and stuff on the toilet seat. It's so gross. We've got one toilet for 45 people every day. It's not, it's not nice. It smells so bad. (laughs) The mediums in their individual cells that are locked up at night have water restrictions. They have um, about six or seven toilet flushes and two showers, I think it is, maybe three showers. But the showers are limited as well for only three or four minutes per shower. 
while the lows have got shared bathrooms and their showers go for four minutes and reset every four minutes. So you can have multiple showers if you jump between the two showers or wait that four minutes for it to reset. And it's mainly because um, apparently the guys, when they wanted to move cells, would just block the toilets and flush them until the cell flooded and then the officers would have to move them to a new cell. So it was a way of getting prioritised for a new room if you wanted to move away from where you were. And um, they've just pushed that rule across to the females so we get stuck with it as well. I used to have my period back at our prison, but not here in the new prison, no more, not now. I'm a young lady now. I'm, I'm 57 now. I can't have that anymore. You know that theory about sinking of periods, women that live together, bleed together? It's true. Yeah. Like sometimes I think I might be starting early menopause, but I think when I'm with other women and they have their period, mine comes. And not just periods either, but everyone gets the shits on. At the same time, everyone gets short-tempered or cranky or emotional all in the same week. It's just no wonder the guards hate working in here. We're a bunch of bloody 80, just psycho bloody females all at once. Yeah, it's pretty funny. You sit back and you go, oh, no wonder we're all shitty. (laughs) Yeah, I've noticed it a couple of times and been like, oh, man, everyone's down today everyone's you know you feel something in the air and then it's like the next day oh yeah everyone's got their period that's why <laughs> stop the podcast this is an advertisement in ya up ya on ya sonia who now sonia <laughs> my name's not sonia my name's becky just go with it it just rhymes okay so sonia have you tried these mini tampons Yeah, they're better than them regular ones that explode. It absorbs every drop of blood, doesn't it? Yeah, no mess down there. So clean. So fresh. Yeah, it doesn't stink. You don't have to go and wash your mini in the sink. It can be used for all your holes on your body. Up your nose, in your ears, and up your hole. No, seriously, they are really good earplugs. You should try them. Feel fresh and clean and put one in ya. Mini tampon. Start the podcast. It's like the sound of water takes you away to another place, another time, full of noise and happiness. It's like waterfalls cascading over red-brown rocks in shady gorges. Sunlight streaming through, clean, crisp air. It's like a rushing creek bubbling over smooth, round rocks under green, shady trees, away from the heat of the day, birds and cicadas chirping. It's like a gushing, gurgling downpipe pouring out during the grey haze of a wet season storm that could go for minutes or days. Then the sound stops and I realise... I'm out of toilet flushes. Feet. 
for me, Mother's Day is pretty emotional. My son's in Sydney, so it's a fair way away from here. Um, limited contact with him as well is a bit hard. For me, Mother's Day is hard. Um, you do time pretty hard on Mother's Day, I guess. It's not the nicest place to be when you can't, you know, just go and spend time with your family. You know, thank your mum for being alive and see your daughter or your son. On Mother's Day, I think about my kids, I miss them, but mostly I think about my mum. Like my daughter was born on my mum's birthday, which is like two days after Mother's Day. So it's just hard all the way around. I've got my little niece on my shoulder, <laughs> my little jail niece. <laughs> Hopefully she'll come back and visit me. <laughs> I was telling my niece at visits, my niece comes and seen me, I'm like, oh, I'm an auntie in here too. She's like, what? <laughs> how did a baby get near? 101 questions how a baby got near, what the baby did wrong, why isn't the baby wearing orange overalls? <laughs> Speaking of mothers, um, so I'm a mother in prison and um, that's my bubba crying in the background. So last Mother's Day um, I was in here and I was pregnant. Um, so that was a bit hard because I got my first like, oh, it's your happy Mother's Day, you know, this day's your day for the rest of, you know, your life. It's a special day for you. So um, I don't know, I just hope that I'm not in here next Mother's Day. Yeah, <laughs> the first one that she can actually celebrate. Can I say? So I remember when I first had my daughter and I was a single mum and the most sweetest thing that ever happened to me was my little brother. He was only, like, young and he brought me back a flower and he's like, oh, happy Mother's Day. And it was, like, the cutest thing because I didn't really think of it, like, I was thinking about our mum but I didn't realise, like, oh, my God, I'm a mum too. And when he brought back that flower from the shop, I was just... I still think back and I like, think that was the cutest thing. What I think about on Mother's Day is my child, where she's, where she's going, what she's doing, how my mum is, how we'll all be when I get out. For me, Mother's Day is a reminder of how badly I fucked up. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> One phone call a week. Mother's Day would be shit for me. I not just me, for all the women in here. Fuck jail and itself is pretty shocking, families. My mum passed away when I was six, so each year I've celebrated Mother's Day, like, for my father because he played both roles since, you know, forever. So, yeah, it's hard. I miss him. But next year hopefully I'm celebrating it, you know, first-time mother and living back with my dad. Attention sector four, all prisoners return to your pods. All prisoners return to your pods. That's it for this episode of Bird's Eye View. Thanks for listening, earbuds. Next time, you'll hear from Serafina and Nolene, who will be sharing their stories about payback. If I stabbed her, then she'll stab me 50 to 50. Like, if I had a sex with her husband, then she will do the same thing to my husband. The payback is a broken one. 
will be the enemy forever and ever till you die. And we'll also talk about currencies inside prison, especially food. Hot potato, hot potato. Anybody want to swap some cheese? I'll give you five sugars for cheese. Seven cappuccinos for a massage. I gave her the yogurt, she gave me the meat pie because I feel so hungry. See you then. Thanks for listening to Bird's Eye View, the first podcast made in Darwin Correctional Centre by us, the women from Sector 4. Sylvia, Nolene, Kay, Amy, Kellyanne, Bianca, Trisha, Kiara, no, I'm <laughs> Brooklyn, Tace, Rocket, Dan, Jessica, Naomi, Sophia, Julie, Tegan, Joan, Yasmin, Sophie, Jesse, Kirsty Louise, Becky Boo, and Ashley. Bird's Eye View is presented by Story Projects. This episode was produced by Leah Sanderson and Cinnamon Nippard. Johanna Bauer is the executive producer. With mixing by Hamish Robertson of Tall Tale Audio. Our awesome theme music is by Katie Baker and is called Worth It. In this episode, you also heard music by Sieta, Bat Hazard and Katie Baker. Music coordination by Ben Andrews. Jeez Louise, it takes a lot of people to make a podcast. <laughs> Bird's Eye View was funded by another territory government and the Australia Council for the Arts. With support from the Prison Songs Impact Campaign and Audio Craft. Everything you've heard has been signed off by the Northern Territory Correctional Services. To hear more stories from women inside, search for Bird's Eye View wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes.